The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast about anthology horror. Starting with Tales from the Crypt. Hello, I'm Camp Counselor Lauren Jewell. And I'm your least favorite Camp Counselor, Tish Delino. Happy 2022! Fireworks, fireworks. Were there a lot of fireworks going off in your neighborhood last night? There were. The fireworks were so bad that Sharpie hid underneath the bed all night. And Lego, she was a little cuddly at some times, but Uh for the most part, she just kept falling asleep in like weird places (gasps) in the apartment. So I was like, great. One of my New Year's dates is asleep and the other one is hiding from me. Can't wait. Did you guys have a lot of fireworks? We did. They were mostly um, like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, because I guess like happy seven o'clock, happy eight (laughs) o'clock. They they died down. But to be fair, I also had made some cookies using the devil's lettuce. Oh. And I had imbibed some of those cookies. And so I was fast asleep by probably about 11 o'clock. That explains why you didn't respond to any of the Marco Polos I sent you last night. Yeah. Like, I just oh. want to tell her things. <laughs> I was out like a light. I also, I mean, I napped. Like, I went and got my hair done with Grace, Yay. my lovely stylist at the Color Cult. I'm feeling nice and refreshed. I came home, took a nap. I think I took a second nap at some point. Then there were the cookies. Alrighty, campers. It is a new year. And with New Year's... Some people make resolutions. That's not our style. But we do have goals. I would say a goal that really pertains to me of ours is to get our website up and running. Yay! We have one. (laughs) You you say that. (laughs) It exists. I bought so I bought our domain name. Like as soon as we we figured out the name of our podcast, I went and bought the domain just to like make sure it didn't get snatched up or wasn't already snatched up. Mm -hmm. And then it sat there, and I forgot that I bought the domain. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, because you bought that way back in like February, March then of 2021. Yes, I've had it for a long time. And (laughs) I forgot about it. And then I went to go register for a domain name. And like, um, you you already own it. I'm like, Oh, so right now, if you go to campcreeppodcast.com, it takes you to Captivate and like a list of all of our episodes. So you can listen to the podcast right from there. But I am building our website. It just takes time. Rome was not built in a day. Camp Creep was not built in a day. All of the campers didn't disappear in a day. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be an interesting uh, urban legend for Camp Creep. There we go. There we go. One of the goals I've got written down here is I want us to chart on the top lists of things. So I think we can make it to like top 100 in a year. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, technically we're in the top 100 in Finland. Yeah, in Uh, Finland, which is great. I still love you, our Finnish listener, whoever the fuck you are. You're my favorite. I'm rooting for you. I am wishing you all the best, Finnish listener, in 2022. I mean, all of our campers, I'm very fond of you and I do wish for good (laughs) things for you. But in particular, our Finnish listener is kind of special. Kind of special. What? other goals do you have, if any more? I want to get our merch going. Merch has been, oh my gosh, since the beginning, since we launched, we've been like, when do we get to make merch? Because that's fun. But we did set kind of a 
boundary for ourselves of at this certain point, then we can start doing merch. So, you know, we've been, we've got list of designs. I've got some designs already made. I've been exploring some different options for how we can get merch printed in the easiest, quickest way to get things sold and stuff. So it's a work in progress, but it's going to happen this year. Once we've hit the goal we need to hit in order to officially launch our merch, we will start discussing all of our ideas. I kind of want to keep them a little under the hat for now, but I'm pretty excited of the things that we've been coming up with over the last year. So if you have any suggestions of merch campers, something you would like to own, feel free to email us at campgreatpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, another thing that we're doing is because we live in the state of Michigan where snowstorms are a big thing is if we sound a little bit different today, there is a very good reason. We're not in the same room. We're not in the same house. We're at least, what, seven miles apart? Something like that. We're actually, yeah, we're in two different cities right now because I don't know how throughout the last year we have been able to record in the same room together, pure luck up until this point. (laughs) Yeah, now we're like, okay, it's a new year. What can we do? And like, one of the things we want to do is you said earlier when it was just me and you that you wanted five guests. Minimum, yes. Minimum five guests for this year. We've got one coming up, but those people are local. So for us to prepare for not super local people, Mm -hmm. we're using a website called Clean Clean Feed. Feed. Yeah. So thank you to Clean Feed. Not sponsored, but I mean, yet. (laughs) Yet. So this is a fun experiment. This is the first episode we're using it for. I'm excited. Do we have any other goals? I wrote down some of the other ones, but I think they should be surprises. And I should say that we hit a goal that we had put out into the universe, but we definitely, we hadn't put it on any of our lists because we thought, oh, well, that's like 2022, maybe 2023, which is to join a network. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Joy Road. That's so cool. So because it is 2022, I finally get to use one of the Christmas gifts I received this year, which is a 2022 dad joke calendar. So Camp Counselor Tish, are you ready for this? My body's ready. What about your ear holes? (laughs) They're part of my body, aren't they? (laughs) Good point. Good point. I'm I'm gonna give you that. Okay. (laughs) All right. January 1st, 2022. What is Corn's favorite holiday? I don't know. What is Corn's favorite holiday? New Year's Day. Ah. I was gonna ask, like, corn the vegetable or corn the band? (laughs) You know, sometimes you're just a freak on a leash. All right. So we wanted to highlight probably the best Facebook comment we've ever gotten on one of our posts. Yes. It's you too can be highlighted in a Facebook comment or Instagram or Twitter comment highlight if you just comment on our social media. But today's comment highlight comes to us from Mike Whiteside. Oh, this cracked us both up. We were Marco Poling. Did you see that? Oh my god, I'm dead. (laughs) So Mike says, listen to this episode last night and you guys were hilarious. I know for a fact I didn't see this episode of Tales from the Crypt, but I gotta see if if this secretary lady was as hot as you guys made her out to be. And a bunch of (laughs) crying, laughing emojis. Solid. Uh, And that was referring to Corman's Calamity. It was the best thing to get. Like, oh, somebody commented on Camp Creep Post. Like, oh, that's cool. Was it one of our friends? I don't know this person. I went on their profile. Like, zero mutual friends. Do not know how this human found us. But thank you. Thank you. 
Right? Thanks for listening, Mike, and thank you for your hilarious comment. All right. You ready to walk over to the bulletin board? I mean, I'm really lazy, but I guess for you, <laughs> I'll walk the distance. All right. So today's bulletin board, just a heads up for any of our campers who have trauma or strong feelings related to mental health treatment, hospitalizations. You know, I know mental health is a very sensitive topic. It is big in this episode, so just giving you a little heads up. And also a reminder, this episode was made in probably 1989. So if you're watching along, you know, some of the points of the mental health related plot, some of the terms they use are totally outdated. We we know this. I spent 10 years working in a mental health outpatient facility. So I'm very well aware of recovery-focused treatment and terminology. So I did my best to make sure I used the correct terminology and stuff. So, but if there's anything we get wrong, as always, we are open to learning. Please let us know if we ever need to make any corrections to our vocabulary. Yes, send us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. We should start a drinking game of like, how many times do they plug their email address? <laughs> well, you can play drinking games over there with your carbonated water and I'll play drinking games over here with my coffee. <laughs> go team. Go team, go. All right. Are you ready to go creeping through that crypt? I'm ready to go creeping through that crypt if you're ready for a creeperosity. I'm always ready for a creeper. All right. So, is it possible to be scared to death? In short, yes. However, it takes quite a bit. This information comes from heart.org. Those circumstances are extremely rare when that happens, and pre-existing conditions are typically a factor, said Dr. Mark Estes, a cardiologist and professor of medicine at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. When a person is frightened or perceived to be in danger, the brain triggers a surge of adrenaline, which makes the heart beat faster and pushes the body instantly into fight-or-flight mode. It also affects the liver and pancreas, triggers precipitation and pushes blood towards major muscle groups. But that's your creeperosities. You know, I just wanted to read something from the internet that was low-key related to the episode, but also technically not at all, just to see who's paying attention. (laughs) All right, this is Season 2, Episode 15, Mute Witness to Murder. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 18th issue of the Crypt of Terror comic. Happy anniversary to Paul and Susan Hastings. After celebrating with friends, Susan is outside waiting for Paul to return with her surprise, but gets a whole different kind of surprise when she sees her neighbor murder his wife. It's such a shock for her that she goes mute and her husband rushes into the night to find a doctor. When he returns, he is with Dr. Tresk, who happens to be the man Susan just watched murder his wife. Shenanigans ensue. And everybody gets what they deserve. This episode opens on the Crypt Keeper playing Doctor. Would you Lauren's go to dream. him for a check? <laughs> Would you go to him for a checkup? If I didn't want to live anymore, yes, totally. <laughs> So the Crypt Keeper says that he had a health scare, but it was a false alarm because his heart isn't beating. Oof. Good deal. I'm so glad he doesn't have to worry about accidentally being alive again. You know that my heart used to occasionally quiver instead of beat? That's that's an actual thing that happens. That's scary. It is. And um, they didn't really treat me for it. They just told me I'd grow out of it. 
but according to my last heart thingy cardiologist sure wherever tests they ran on me apparently i did outgrow it so that's cool oh my my heart (laughs) learned to beat instead of quiver i feel like you had a grinch moment that's kind of exciting except actually if your heart grows a bunch of sizes that's actually an incredibly deadly condition yeah (laughs) we just open on some establishing shots of a city apartment with a little party going on inside you can see some costumed clad guests hanging out on the balcony and this is where we meet Susie, who is dressed like a white cat, almost exactly like Angela from The Office when she oh dresses like God. one of her cats. Now I yeah. can only see Angela in this episode and I suddenly like it. Wow, that's the mental trick. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. <laughs> she kind of does look like Angela. Like she could be Angela's sister. Yeah, they both got like that blonde hair swooped to the side. Really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this the Susie lady is also very precious and she's telling this Viking woman and this dude dressed as a robber the story about how her and her husband met and it was so romantic and if she had stopped to look over there at that window display, they may not have ever met. Yeah, so it was by chance on a street corner. You know, I met Stephen by chance at an art show. And then again later at a meadery. And that's how our love was born. But to be honest, campers, I met the love of my life at a zombie walk. And then I agreed to let her be my roommate for a weekend, despite barely knowing each (laughs) her. (laughs) And look, I actually made sure you didn't die that weekend. She actually did. I was very ill and shouldn't have gone to Chicago, but went, whatever, I'm fine. I wasn't fine. It was bad. I, I, I vow to you on this, the first day of the new year, if you become sick again like that, I will take care of you to the level of which Kathy Bates takes care of the dude in misery. How does that That's make you comforting. feel? Comforted. <laughs> A little. (laughs) Hey, Canvers. I'm single. So if that's something you're into. (laughs) You can email us at campcapepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Anyway, speaking of happy romantic things. Her friends are very, very tolerant when Susie starts talking about how her and Paul met. But finally, the two are alone at last, and they're about to start making out on that balcony before he's like, oh, but wait, I have to go get your present. Stay right here. And I have a question. What was Paul's costume supposed to be? Because I just wrote down he looks like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, is he is he the original business cat? Are they both cats? <laughs> and he just took his ears off already? Right? It's just so weird. Everyone else is in these, like, elaborate costumes, and then there's Paul, and he just looks like he works on Wall Street. Paul, you son of a bitch. You couldn't even dress up for your own goddamn party, we think. I do have a note here that, like, I was like, Stephen and I just hit five years. We should have had a costume party. And I was like, stupid COVID. And then I wrote, Laura and I are definitely having a Camp Creep anniversary party every year. Costumes (laughs) required. (laughs) We'll come back to that, because now i got to think, like, when we have our one-year anniversary, it's going to be July, so types of costumes will all depend on the weather. Right, right. (laughs) We'll come back to that in uh, a few months. So, Paul has gone inside to retrieve Susie's anniversary present, and Susie takes a moment to gaze out across the courtyard in their very beautiful apartment complex. I honestly thought at this moment that she was about to get murdered because it just seemed like 
too perfect, but instead, somebody else gets murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So while Susie is standing outside of the balcony, she can see her neighbors from across the courtyard are coming home, and the yelling is so loud that she can hear them from where she is at least far away enough from the building to where she definitely should not be able to hear this entire fucking conversation. So it's this husband and wife. They just got home. They're also a little bit dressed up, but it could have also just been the clothing of the era. Like she, she looked like she was kind of in like a wedding dress and he looked pretty normal too. I'm not sure. So I did manage to capture one of the things she screamed at him, which is that she didn't want to leave the party. So I'm assuming they must have been at some sort of formal party. I too thought she was wearing a wedding dress at first and I was so confused and then there was one shot that I went back to and like kind of like squinted and I was like okay no I think it's just a, a, a white party dress but I truly thought I was like yikes dooliebeds fighting that loud? Mm-hmm. And there is a chance that they actually could have been at Paul and Susie's anniversary party dressed like that. Of all the times I watched this episode I don't remember seeing any cameos from either of those characters. I think it would have made more sense if that that's what happened. But you know, what do we know? We're just here. We're just camp counselors. Right. <laughs> so they get into their apartment, they turn on the lights so Susie can now see and she has to duck down so she can get all the tea without them seeing that she is totally listening into this fight. And like I said, I managed to capture some of the things that the woman was heard saying. She screams something about what kind of doctor are you? I didn't want to leave. You wanted to leave early. And while she's screaming at him, he decides to pick up this lamp and throws it at her head. Like he hits her with it upside the head. And he's like, cool, I killed her. That's that. Everything's fine. Poor Susie across the street is watching all of this and kind of has like a oh shit, what do moment. But then it gets worse because the lady across the street is not actually dead. And instead of shutting the fuck up and pretending to be dead, which I really that probably made me sound like a really bad person. But in my mind, if somebody thinks you're dead, let them think you're dead until they leave. And then you call 911. Yep. I will play dead like the best of them. (laughs) We will all be opossums. Yes. (laughs) The unofficial mascot of Camp Creep. So the woman, yeah, she gets up and with the same piss and vinegar that she has been screaming with the entire time, she screams, you'll never get away with this. Oh, but does he, (sighs) ma'am? Does he? Because so he rips the cord from the shades, like the little pull cord, rips it off and walks over and strangles her with it. Yeah, that cord was not the only thing that snapped. And poor Susie just saw everything. Just then, Paul comes back with her gift, which happens to be from Tiffany's BT dubs. She's scared, so, so scared that she's gone mute and cannot properly speak to Paul to convey to him what just happened. She's literally frozen in a state of shock. And I wanted to look it up because I've always heard on TV shows and movies, you know, like, oh, they're going into shock. And apparently there are multiple kinds of shock. Yeah, there's medical, which can kill you, but there is psychological parapsychology today. When you experience that strong surge of emotions and corresponding physical reaction, I'm assuming all of the adrenaline that happens Mm -hmm. in response, you go into either, you know, fight or flight, but also freeze is one of the shock responses. And I think that's what she was in. She was absolutely frozen in psychological shock. I could see that. So Paul panics and sits her down saying that he's going to go get 
a doctor and runs out the front door. And you know what? Props props to Paul. I think that was a good call. Maybe calling 911 would have been a better idea. <laughs> Could have made this episode entirely different, but this is Tales from the Crypt. So while Paul leaves, Susie gets up and goes to the bathroom trying to convince herself that she needs to speak, but unfortunately, she cannot. When Paul returns, he does come back with the doctor, who unfortunately just happens to be the same man she just watched murder his wife from across the street. And he is super creepy from the get-go, before you even realize who he is. He's such a freaking creeper. And Susie, once she realizes who it is, her eyes get very large and she looks absolutely horrified, but she can't say anything. She's gone completely mute from the shock. Paul starts telling Dr. Trask that he left her alone on the balcony for maybe five minutes to find her gift. And when he returned, she was like this. So Dr. Trask has a moment of oh shit face and gets worse when he and Paul go outside to see if they can see anything, you know, investigating the scene, see what's going on. And Dr. Trask realizes that uh, she can see straight into their apartment. That is the Big Ope Energy Part 1 of this episode. Yes. Reaching into his medical bag, Trask pulls out a giant fucking needle with a sedative and tells Paul to hold on to his wife, which is not a great thing. So Susan can hear what these two guys are talking about and she grabs a golf club or something and she thinks she's about to hit Trask but she accidentally hits her husband in the face which is Big Ope Energy Part 2 of this episode. Good old Dr. Trask gives her a mild sedative and she gets knocked the fuck out. The doctor insists on getting her to a hospital where he can run some tests. It's all very creepy. Everything he says is just dripping with like creepitude. Oh yes. He he could just be the general person that does creeperosities from now on. <laughs> so the hospital they take her to is called Long Hill, which just happens to be where he works. So now that they're at Long Hill, Susie is waking up and finds herself in a straitjacket and being carted to a padded room. Room number 19. How incredibly traumatic. What a what a way to wake up. Paul I- insists that the straitjacket is necessary so that she doesn't hurt herself and that they only want to keep her for observation. And by the way, did you notice the way the door to the room closed? Like automatic? Yeah, well, like, not, and not automatic in the way that we would think of, like, sliding horizontally. Like, it came down from the ceiling, like a spaceship. Oh, I don't think I yeah. super noticed that part, but that makes it kind of creepier. Or also, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I did. And like, I was like, I have never seen anything like that at a hospital. I was like, maybe I just don't go to these fancy rich people hospitals or something. <laughs> but I've literally, and I have been in plenty of hospitals where the, they had automatic door closures, including one where we had to go into lockdown for 20 minutes. That was fun. Oh, I do want to say I love Paul. I think Paul is a very good husband and he just wants to make sure his wife is okay. Now, when he's talking to Trask, however, Trask tells him the best thing he can possibly do for her is to go home for the night, come back in the morning because his wife clearly needs some rest. Bullshit! 
Uh, yeah. I call shenanigans. Mm. So that scene is so frustrating. And I've heard this from a lot of people who have, you know, reached a point with their, you know, mental health where they had to be inpatient or maybe they had like guardian, temporary guardianship over them and stuff. And they said people standing in the room talking about you like you're not even there is literally the most enraging and infuriating thing ever. And that's how, that, that's how it, this whole scene goes is it's like Susie's not even not even there it's like dude she can hear you she can't tell you that she can hear you but we can all see what's happening here Susie makes a run for out the door and nurse desk swoops her up and over her shoulder returning her to room 19 with Trask where the two have a ahem heart to heart as it were once alone with Susie Dr. Trask drops the mask and gets uber creepy with her he says he could attempt to explain things to her, but he's just not feeling it. He does stop and pop some pills, explaining that he has a heart condition, you know, and this whole situation has just gotten him quite worked up. Then he lets her know she's in a small private sanatorium where he is the director and the chairman of the board, and he's going to diagnose her as dangerous and psychotic. Not sure what version of the DSM Dr. Trask is working out of, but, like, those are not actual diagnoses. I'm pretty sure he just diagnosed her with hysteria and left it at that. Did we say that he is creepy because Dr. Trask is the creepiest of creeps? He notices that Susie has been like clenching her knees shut and he says you can unclench your nervous knees. I have no interest in defiling you. Followed by we tried to keep that thing to a minimum here at Long Hill. Ew. 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 Yeah, I just have like a bunch of just wrote barf. <laughs> I mean, it's good, I guess, that he has a th- that there is a line, a boundary that he's not going to cross. That's that's neat. But also, ew. so gross. Oh, in the morning, Paul and Tresk are sitting in Tresk's private office. Paul brought flowers, and I thought that was a cute move. Except that then Tresk tells him his wife is still in shock, and it could be days or years before she is quote-unquote, better. And we see Susan being spoon-fed by Nurse Desk, who, I swear, it seemed like she was dropping hints that she knew something was up because she notices that Susan doesn't behave quite like the other residents. I agree. Nurse Desk knows what's up. Also, I really wish they gave her a different name. I know. I literally thought she was credited as Desk because she was <laughs> Desk Nurse and it that's wasn't until at some point, yeah, Trask calls her Desk and I'm like, oh god, that's her name. That is that is really lazy writing unless that was actually inspired by someone whose name was Desk. <laughs> She's a damn good nurse. We, I think Nurse Desk is one of the unsung heroes of this episode. Meanwhile, back at the apartment. So Paul is talking over the situation with his sister, Dolores. I believe that she was the Viking woman in the beginning. I agree. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. But she calls bullshit on this whole thing. She makes some really good points. 
um, that it's like, yeah, Paul, why didn't you think of these things? Like, hey, Paul, how does someone become severely mentally ill in a matter of five minutes? Who is this doctor, really? Like, come on, Paul, get your shit together. Go get a second opinion. Come on. Right? Come on. Paul, you're so close. So he does take his sister advice and he goes back to Tresk, but Tresk takes him to a room to see Susie on the cameras. And then Tresk starts to suggest that maybe their marriage isn't all that great and that the noise and constant yammering affected her. And that's how she got to this point. I feel like that's projection. A little bit. So Paul says, uh... No, bullshit. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm not buying any of this. And Dr. Trask then pulls basically some bullshit excuse out of his ass that sounds an awful lot like, you know, these broads sure are mentally fragile, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, I just want to punt Dr. Trask into the sun. I accept this. This is fine. So Paul leaves after finally starting to advocate for his wife. And Dr. Trask calls in Nurse Desk and says that he believes Paul's becoming, quote, extremely disadvantageous to the patient and that he could disrupt her treatment. So he wants to closely monitor their visits from now on. Back at home, Paul is having what I can best describe as a soap opera shot and is ridiculously cheesy. And I thought he was going to burst into song. What about you? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's it's raining outside. He's got this far off look and he's trying to put all these pieces together. Susie, Susie, I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to find out what really happened. <laughs> Susie. Uh, it's, yeah, it's che- it's it's heavy on the cheese at that moment. Very. I, I think this next little part happens like right after this cheesy, cheesy moment because Paul is now back at the sanatorium furious and demands to see Susie in person. Trask allows it and Paul goes in, going over the night again with her. And Trask is in the camera room watching and listening, freaking out and going into room 19 all sneaky-like because Paul is about to hit the nail on the head. Paul and Susie are playing charades, essentially. And that is how he's able to figure out that she witnessed something horrible. Specifically, she witnessed Dr. Trask do something horrible. Dun dun. So I'm glad that we both agree about the whole charades thing because Trask also agrees with us because he mentions the same exact thing before he attacks and says that you guys could have been charade champions. And then he shuts off the lights and stabs Paul in the neck with a giant needle. I'm assuming it was full of a very strong sedative. It's my basic assumption here. I think that's a good one. Susie witnesses another murder and it's a bad time. My notes here are, so Dr. Trask kills Paul by stepping on his throat while he lays on the floor and Susie watches. And I wrote, if this were all consensual, it would feel like a normal Saturday night. (laughs) A woman in restraints, a man barely conscious on the ground with a heel to his throat. Sounds like a good time to me. It could have been a good time had it been a little (laughs) different. A little more consent involved. A little bit, a little bit. And with the snap of his heel, though, Dr. Trask snaps Paul's neck. Tell Susie he's just going to claim self defense. 
love, once again, it complicates everything, which is a Dr. Tress quote. Sir, I don't think you know what love is. That is not love. <laughs> that is not how that Bible verse goes. Uh, no. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Love is putting your foot on your patient's husband's neck and breaking it. First Corinthians. Hmm. You must have grew up with a different Bible than me, but that's okay. <laughs> Next, Nurse Desk is helping Susie shower. And Trask comes in. Desk leaves. And then Trask just reveals his master plan for Susie. What is it? Bad guy always do that. <laughs> oh, a, a lobotomy where, uh, oh. you know, of course, she's not going to survive the surgery. Huh. You know, <sighs> as one does. Seriously, like I said, could this get any more boy? Them feminine types. Whew. Oh, dear. <laughs> gotta, gotta control them by, by shoving an ice pick up their nose, you know? I, is it? I don't think that's how lobotomies work. I thought it was an uh, eyeball thing. Yeah, oh, that's right. The ice pick. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think up the nose, like, is to kill somebody, but in through the eyeball is to lobotomize. Yeah, I think up the nose is how you get the brain out when you're mummifying somebody. That's Which true. is last it's week's episode. <laughs> It's a good thing I'm not a doctor, because that would be a really <laughs> terrible thing to get confused. <laughs> Campers, if you see that camp counselor Tish is the person in charge of first aid that day, just leave. Just go away. You're fine. You can You're wait. You're better off just dying. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that moment when Dr. Tress tells Susan what he's going to do to her and he leaves her alone, something good finally happens. She realizes she can finally speak again, but yes. nobody else knows. So cut to Trask coming to gather her for her surgery. And I noted that the way he undoes her releases on the jacket, it's almost sensual. Yeah. And it creeped. Okay, good. I'm not the only person that saw that. I was like, I am very uncomfortable here for so many reasons, but primarily that this is a, a person receiving inpatient therapy and this is the doctor and they are sensual sensually undoing the restraints and oh mm, 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 mm. never mind all the other stuff but don't worry because as soon as that jacket hits the floor Susie goes straight for his face and attacks him good girl so Susie is attacking him and he tries to strangle her because apparently like the neck man that's his go-to move mm-hmm and oh, poor Dr. Trask. Remember his little heart condition? Well, he has a flare up and he collapses. And oh no, he's out of his medication. He left it in the room and he's like, Susie, I need you to call desk. But then he's like, ah, wait, fuck, you can't talk. How's this gonna work? Ah, shit. And then Susie gets close to his face. Oh, but I can. Mic drop. Bam. That was, that was iconic. That moment. I was like, this was a really slow moving episode. But that, that was, mm, yeah, that was probably my favorite moment. Yeah. So the scene's not quite over yet. And Tresk is begging her to call desk knowing that she can speak now and calls her a murderer. And Susie says, like you. And he says, like you. And it's beautiful. They're both murderers, except hers is in self-defense and is super fucking valid in comparison to him. Right. And she stands there and watches him die like a badass. Mm-hmm. After he's dead, Susie goes to the intercom system and speaks very clearly, saying that there's been a terrible accident and Dr. Trask is dead. And then she starts laughing a lot, which is <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's valid. And back at the crypt, the crypt keeper is just having a grand old time 
time in a straitjacket in his coffin. Did the coffin he's laying in kind of look like it was made out of aluminum foil to you? Or like baking stuff? Like when you make a turkey or something? Yeah, it did look weird. I, I didn't make any notes, but I remember at the time I looked at it and was like, that's an odd looking coffin, but okie dokie. To each their own, I suppose. CK's Killing It, True Crime and History is a new podcast that covers crimes pre-1960. You know, the golden days, where murder was more dignified and classy, right? No. Humans were as brutal and callous then as they are now. So let me tell you about them. With the added bonus of bringing the history of the time into the story, to see how that affected the entire situation. The Great Depression, global war, attitudes towards women and minorities. Okay, some things have always been there. Join me for some stories about murder, jealousy, desperation, and -and out-and-out evil, with history and dark humour from those sepia-hued days. See you soon, killers. And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Who's That Ghoul? Alright, this episode was directed by Jim Simpson. This was his first ever directing gig, but he has been an assistant director on Spice World for all of you Spice Girl fans. Ooh, and, shit. You know, and the film event Horizon. Frankly, the rest of his credits are pretty small and minor. I mean, he was an editing trainee for the film Alien Love Triangle, which I will admit the name. I was like, go on. You have my interest now. What is this Alien Love Triangle? I plan on doing more research on that after we don't get done recording. But the most interesting fact about him is he he is Mr. Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I know yeah. that name. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he is married to Sigourney Weaver. So good. Good for you, Jim Simpson. And then we have Susie, who is played by Patricia Clarkson. That may sound like a familiar name to some of you. She's an actress of stage, TV, and film who graduated with her master's in theater from the prestigious Yale School of Drama graduate program. She went on to star in films such as The Untouchables, The Deadpool, Jumanji, (laughs) Green Mile, Lars and the Real Girl, Shutter Island, Easy A. She was Emma Stone's mom. Yes! That's what it was! Got her and Stanley Tucci together. Like, I'm just like, will you both adopt me? Please. They're so good. That movie's so fucking good. This episode marked her fifth ever TV role. And after it aired, she went on to either star in or have major reoccurring roles on TV shows such as Murder One, Frasier, Six Feet Under, House of Cards, and for all of you Parks and Rec fans out there, yes. she played Tammy fucking Swanson, the first on Parks and Rec. Hey. 
If you're not familiar with Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson, one of the characters on there, has this thing about marrying women named Tammy. <laughs> there are several of them. <laughs> I would change my name to Tammy to marry him, so that's fine. And usually I make fun of TV movies, but this was a good one. She played Adora in the recent TV movie. I can't remember if it was on Showtime or HBO, but it was kind of a TV movie series, Sharp Objects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she played Adora, and I swear, I read the book first, and then I watched the show. She is exactly how I pictured the character in my head. Like, dead on. I had chills. Awesome. <laughs> also, she played Carrie's mom in the 2002 Carrie remake. I liked that remake. I, I actually like every version of Carrie there is. I think they've all kind of had their own little thing, but it's still good. I haven't seen the one, the the last one with, with Chloe. Chloe Moretz, is that her name? I don't know. I know she has a really fancy long name. That's that's what I yeah. remember about her. Yeah, she's been in I, a lot I know of she's, movies. yeah, she's little and cute and I know her from 30 Rock, so. Nice. <laughs> all right, on to Paul. Paul is played by Reed Birney. Reed started his career in film and TV in 1976. He found the most success, though, on television. He played the ironically named Walter Trask, which was actually his next role after this episode. He played Walter Trask on Another World. He played Mr. Prescott in the OG Gossip Girl, Tom Connolly on The Blacklist, and Donald Blythe on House of Cards. So he reunited with his former screen wife. Aww. House of Cards. Yes. That's so lovely. Then we have Dr. Trask. <laughs> oh boy. This is, this is a good one. Dr. Trask is played by Richard Thomas. Now, the name may or may not sound familiar to you, but if you grew up in the 90s watching a lot of the Family Channel, or maybe you're an, you're a little bit of a seasoned listener, you may have grew up watching a little show called The Waltons. <laughs> Do you remember The Waltons? No, but I know him from other things that I'm sure you'll mention. <laughs> yes. So, The Waltons was this super wholesome show about a family that lived out in the woods. And I mean, I don't know. I, I, I watched it because I was forced to. I never enjoyed it. But he played John Boy. This was freaking John Boy on The Waltons. So, if you are familiar with The Waltons, yes, know that John Boy grew up to become a murdering doctor. Oh, no. I'm Tales from the Crypt. He later went on, in fact, right after this episode, he went on to play Bill Denbro in 1990s version of It. Yep. Yes. He also played David Robinson in the 1998 Swiss Family Robinson reboot that I have no memory of. He was Frank on the show The Americans... And he also played Bodhi on the Amazon series, Tell Me Your Secrets, which is on my watch list. It's got the lady from American Horror Story. Sarah Paulson? No, the other one. Emma Roberts? No, not that Emma. <laughs> That's easy eight. God damn it. Oh, the one that played the, the hippie witch in oh, uh, Coven. Okay. I like her. I do too. And I guess she's in this show. And I've seen some previews and I'm like, this looks like up my alley. So I guess he's in it. So, uh, so yeah. my question is, is that the one where he's like, the, everybody kind of meets in a booth in a restaurant and he's like Satan sort of, or somebody uh, is the devil or perceived uh, as such? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, but I could be mixing tell up us what movie I'm thinking of. That'd be great. <laughs> right. Everyone's screaming at home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, campers. 
This may or may not get edited out later. We'll see. All right. And then we have Dolores. That would be Paul's sister. So Dolores is played by Christine Nelson. She's an actress hailing from the New York theater scene. This episode was her first TV role. And afterwards, she did an episode of Law and Order. And then she has no film or television credits until 1999. Oh. Yes. She did a film called Advice from a Caterpillar. And in 2015, she landed the part of Minnie Sayer in the Amazon series. I swear to God, not we have no connection to Amazon. They're not paying us to talk about their stuff. (laughs) But another one that I've been wanting to watch called Z, The Beginning of Everything, the one about Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah, I watched an episode or two of that. It was really good. And I noticed if you're the type of person who maybe you enjoyed Z, maybe you're really into historical period dramas, she's apparently in a show that is currently in post-production called The Gilded Age. So look out Mm. for that if you're in that into that type of thing. I like the name. I'm generally not. <laughs> I tried to get into that show. What's that show that everybody... Rain? No, the down, Downton, Downton Abbey. Um, I, I tried. And I was like, no. I no. I like the shows that are more supposed to be like medieval times. So I liked The Tudors. I never finished it, but I enjoyed it. Rain just made me angry because <laughs> there's just... There's not enough clothing on these characters. Like, I should not be able to see your wrists. I should not be able to see your ankles, you goddamn hussies. But I digress. And we're Bunch back. Bunch of harlots. <laughs> so, oh, harlots was good. Okay, I'm going to stop talking again. Goodbye. Your turn. Okay. Yeah, I won't bring up the other show that I was going to bring up. We'll, Bridgerton? We'll end up on a twin. Nope, 20 minute tangent. <laughs> I did. I met Bridgerton just missed me. Eh. Not, not a, I'm not a Shonda Rhimes person, I guess. All right. I wanted to note that Mrs. Trask, that's right, the woman who appears on screen for like, I don't know, maybe a minute total and gets murdered through most of it. She's played by an actress named Diane Peterson. Diane Peterson is a professional badass. She's a professional stunt woman. Oh, shit. Yeah, she was president of the Stunt Woman's Association of Motion Pictures for seven years. And she has done stunt work on films like Return to Horror High, Death Wish 4, Robocop 2, Titanic, and The Green Hornet. And she's also done some minor acting work. She was in Candyman and the original and the one of the many sequels of Children of the Corn, Children of the Corn (laughs) Genesis. Was she in the same Children of the Corn that basketball player dude was in? No, that was Urban. Yeah. It was something Urban was in the title. because I was like, oh, that feels offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the actress who played Desk didn't really have many roles. It looks like she's more a theater actress, but uh-huh. I think she did a great job in this episode. So I just wanted to give her a little golf clap. And that was this week's Who's That Ghoul? Doot, doot. And now the question everybody wants to know and have answers to. Camp Counselor Tish, did you like this episode? <sighs> <laughs> That's that's your answer. What's your thumbs up, thumbs no. down rating? 
also, I didn't hate it. This is by far, by no means uh, season one, episode two. The performances were good. I give it one severed thumb up and one severed thumb down. There were things I liked about it, and there were things that I just thought were like kind of boring, a little bit over dramatized. I think there were some creative choices that could have been made that would have made it a better episode. So that's my opinion. But Camp Counselor Lauren, did you like the episode? Thank you so much for asking. No. So, I I am going to follow suit with you. I will agree. I'm going to give it one severed thumb up and one severed thumb down. And I think that's because I'm just not a big fan of, like, the more true crimey episodes they've got. Like, eh. It's just kind of there. I think I would have liked it just a little bit more if there was like an additional five minutes where there's like a trial with the doctor and then he went to jail and then he died. However, I think I dislike this episode so much that I go back and forth between calling him Dr. Trask with an A and then Tresk with an E. I don't even care about this character. <laughs> so n- not a fan. Not a huge yeah. fan. I will admit a plot point that I disappointed me is the fact that I thought Nurse Desk was going to come in and help Susie and be like, you know, a hero character. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a badass. And no, like, you really don't, you don't know, is she in on it and just doesn't give a crap? Is like, he treat her the way I imagine he treats lots of women? Like, there's so much more I wanted to know about Desk and I felt like, yeah, they really missed a a cool moment where she, her and Susie could have been conspiring to take down the Doctor. That would have been so fun! Yeah, I would have loved it (laughs) if Susie was able to plot with Desk the revenge move and what was going to go down. So what I think should have happened is that when the doctor is dying, then realize that Susie can speak, Susie should have called for Desk and then Desk could have came in there with the pills and just tormented him with them for the last few minutes of his life. But I love good torture, as it turns out. So there we go. (laughs) And that's your kink. And we don't kink shame here at Camp Creep Podcast. (laughs) I never realized I was so dominant. I always thought I was just a brat. But here we are. (laughs) Ah, you've come full circle. Yep. Anyways, we have uh, some palate cleansers, as it were, for this episode. Because remember that one time we requested some reviews? We got them! We're finally gonna read them. Do you want to start us out? Sure. This is a review left for us by Mr. Debler. Delightful and informative nostalgia trip. Five stars. Camp Creep is a fun-filled recap of all the gory details of your favorite anthology horror shows. Made all the better with witty commentary from your favorite camp counselors, Tish and Lauren. I watched these shows in my youth and honestly enjoy their telling of the tales more than I did the originals. (laughs) Their colorful synopsis and added production info is the perfect love letter to anyone who loved creepy cable shows from back in the day. Aww. He thinks we're witty. (laughs) We tricked everybody. Go us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And this one doesn't actually show up on Apple because they're not in the States. They are actually our dear friend CK from the United Kingdom. You may remember his name because he is also the person behind Mirths and Monsters and CK's Killing It. His review is called Expert Podcast. 
I love this show. As a fan of horror, I always like to listen to pods slash shows that can shine a different light onto what I've seen. Both Lauren and Tish do this brilliantly. Their knowledge is exceptional and they work together so well. The friendship is obvious. I really can't recommend this podcast enough. In a very full field of horror pods, this one stands out. CK. So nice. CK. Thanks, guys. So, campers, Camp Creep Podcast is a Joy Road Media Podcast. Check out the other ones, such as The Burt Selleck Show, Great Lakes Confidential, Truthcast, Dead Waves, and You Made Me Watch. And if you want to support the show, you can follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. You can find us online on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Camp Creep Podcast, and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod. And always feel free to shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And as always, campers, creep it real. Creep it real. 